So this word today is, um, it's one that I'm excited about. This was a weird week for me. I had like four or five messages that were just swirling around, I'll just say like percolating, uh, and I wasn't really sure which message. It's just one of those weeks where it's like, okay, God, which direction are we going? Um, and then all of a sudden, I felt like the Lord just said, like, this is the word for today. And I believe it's something that is, it's going to uh, be a word that every one of us will be able to relate to. We're going to talk about the life of Abraham. And we're specifically going to look at some challenges that Abraham faced in his life as he walked into, stepped into the fullness of the destiny that God had created him for. And if we are examining these scriptures and looking at some of these challenges that we're going to touch on today, I think we'll all be able to say, oh, yep, I can relate to that. Oh, yeah, I've struggled with that. Or if you haven't, you will probably face a time where that struggle will be real for you as well. So let's open our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 12 to get started. Chapter 12, and we're going to read the first three verses here. Now the Lord said to Abram, which by the way, he changes his name to Abraham later. His name is Abram at birth, so it hasn't happened yet. So the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the beginning of what we know as God's covenant with Abraham. And Abraham became what the Jewish people refer to as the father of the nation. And so God makes this promise. He makes this covenant with Abraham that he refers to later as an everlasting covenant that insinuates blessing, favor, increase, influence, significance in every way imaginable for Abraham and for his heirs and for the multitudes of people who would come after him. Now, this is very awesome because when we look at the New Testament, we begin to see some things that are taught that tell us that even us who are what we refer to as Gentile, non-Jews, are actually grafted in through Christ into this covenant and into this blessing and become heirs to what God had originally promised as part of this everlasting agreement. I want to show you that just briefly. If you've got your Bible, also turn to Galatians chapter 3, just a few verses. It speaks this, these things in other places, but in verse 26, it says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Heirs meaning you are 
you, are, you have a rightful inheritance to this. Anybody else thankful for that, right? See, God has a plan and a destiny for all of us. And that destiny involves God's favor, it involves his blessing, it involves influence and impact in our world to make a difference for him. And in, this, in these verses in Genesis chapter 12, God is beginning, he's instituting, he's authoring this thing in the life of Abraham and these words that he's speaking to him. And one of the things that he says, which is interesting, he says, Come out of your family's house, leave your family and get out of your father's house and come to a land that I will show you. And for all of us, when we step into God's destiny for our life, God's plan and his purpose for our lives, really it's kind of a lot like this. We are signing up, if you will, for a ride with God that we are not exactly sure how all of the details are going to get worked out and unfold and what's really coming to us. We just know that it's good, right? And let me remind you that it's good and let us continue to walk every day knowing that what God has for us is good. He always has good things for you. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, God has good things for you. So he says, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. Get away from your family. And some of you are probably like, I wish God would say that to me, you know. <laughs> My family doesn't think that. <laughs> but he says that. And he says, come in and you're going to step into this land that you don't know that I'm going to show you. And really, it feels a lot like that when we give our lives over to the Lord. Because what we're doing is we're surrendering. And, and by definition, when we surrender, that means we're giving over control. And we're relinquishing that to another. Let me just say that's what we need to do in our heart. We need to know that we've given over control of our lives, of our destiny, to God to let him be the one who leads and we follow. But it looks a lot like this. It's an open agreement. It's kind of a blank contract that God gives us. Say, hey, I've got a great plan for your life. Follow me. You'll see great and mighty things. But we don't know all these details. And he says, I just want you to sign the thing. And then walk with me so that I can fill it in along the way. You know, what he doesn't do is he doesn't give it to us with all these details written in. Uh, and then says, here, you know what, just take it, uh, read it over, you know, get some legal counsel, just check it out, make sure it all sounds good, pray about it to me, uh, and then get back to me on it. It doesn't work that way. He says, sign it, and then let's get going. Step in, and let's start walking, and then trust me every step of the way to fill in these details. And that's the move we've got to make, folks, is that we've got to say, okay, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Not partway, not halfway. I'm in all the way, Lord. You're going to fill in the details. It's going to be hard. I'm a flesh. I know that. But I'm going to trust you because I know that every word you write in there is going to be good for me. Amen? But when we do that, much like we're going to see today from Abraham, uh, there will be a number of challenges along the way that we are very susceptible to, that we need to learn from as to be able to avoid or overcome 
so that they don't compromise, they don't interfere with or hinder this great work that God is wanting to do in and through us. And one of the first things that we see, I just read to you verses 1 through 3 in chapter 12. It says, get out of your country, away from your family, and out of your father's house, right? Let's look at verse 4. I mean, he gets one verse into this thing. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, doing good so far, but Lot went with him. Lot was his nephew. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So right off the bat, yeah, Abraham, for some reason, makes this judgment call, makes this decision yeah, I know the Lord said to, to leave it all behind, to move out and move away. And for whatever reason, that was exactly what God was instructing him to do. Uh, and instead of fully obeying that command, Abraham says, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to bring Lot with me. Uh, and a lot of times, we step into the things of God, but we bring a lot along with us. <laughs> you know, we were supposed to leave that dude back there. And he come, and we just, come on, it's going to be fun. You're, come on, it's okay, you stay with me. Because we don't want to give it up, or we don't want to let it go, or we want to kind of have most of it okay, but something might be painful or hard about leaving Lot behind. But if God said to do it, can I just say we need to do it and then trust him for the results. Maybe God had a plan for Lot back there that was totally different, you know. But instead, Abraham, he compromises. And that's one of the first things that we see him do that begins to present a challenge to his destiny that God is unfolding. And I would just suggest is a challenge that all of us will are, are, are facing or will face at some point in time. Where we know God's kind of leading us into this thing, calling us to step out and do things, maybe a certain way in a certain area or whatever. And we're kind of all in for God, but then we sort of compromise some little element some little part of it along the way, and then we don't realize, we cannot foresee the problems and the challenges that that thing God told us to leave behind will eventually bring if we take it with us. It may look like it's going to all work out, but if God said leave it behind, we got to know that that's because it's going to produce problems in some way for us in the future, and God is telling us that for good reason. And he's saying, trust me. So he steps out and they get into the land. Now what, what they did is they traveled from the land of Ur that was in the land of the Chaldeans, modern day Iraq, also later known as Babylon. This was the region that they were in. And Abraham and his family left there and they were headed into the new land, but they stopped in a place called Haran, which is kind of up north, closer to like the Turkey area. And then they began, when, when God called Abraham out, he called him into this new land. He said, I'll give you all of this land. It was Canaan that he was calling him into. Canaan was the promised land. That was the land of God's people, which is modern day Israel, and all of the boundaries that God had set forth for them, a land that would flow with milk and honey. So, so this is where Abraham is now headed. They get into the region, him and Lot, all of their livestock, all of their servants, and something interesting begins to happen. They both begin to prosper. They both begin to see increase. 
and their livestock is growing, their servants are growing, you know, they're just, they're, they're outgrowing the area in the space that they're in. And they come to this point where now, because these blessings, because Abraham is compromised and he's not really fully obeyed the word of the Lord, that there's these problems that start to occur between Lot and Abraham, more specifically between Lot's servants and Abraham's servants. It says that they begin to have strife with one another. They can't coexist anymore in this area. They can't both have this region. And now all of a sudden, Abraham is finally, however long afterward, face to face with the problems that if we're honest, he actually created for himself, right? Because he didn't fully listen to the Lord. Uh, There's not 90% obedience. (laughs) It's 100% obedience, right? That's the way the Lord declares it to us. And so he gets there and he sees these things. And so this interesting situation happens, and we'll look at this in Genesis 13, where Abraham finally says, okay, we got to split up. It isn't working anymore. Uh, Too much feuding, too much problem. Like, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Ultimately, this is going to be destruction for both of us. So they're going to split up. And Abraham, he's a good dude, right? I mean, he's a good guy. And so he says to Lot, he's like, look, you, you, you want the right? I'll take the left. You want the left? I'll take the right. You just pick whichever side you want. So Lot... He's, you know, got a little bit of greed in his eyes. He looks around and he sees the region to the east on the right side is abundant in the plains, rich and fertile. And Lot says, I'll take the right. I'll take the east. Abraham says, okay, go ahead, take it. And from this point, what we see is that Abraham has now settled for a portion of the destiny that God has promised him. He has settled Now, this is kind of a hard thing because I want to say this to you in the right way. The Bible says that godliness with contentment is of great gain. So to be content where we are at all times with all things, we know is a virtue and is is a form of godliness, okay? But this is different. This is not contentment. This is settling. This is compromising, and there is nothing glorious about shrinking our faith and shrinking our expectations to accommodate our circumstances when things get tough, to only step into a portion of what God has promised us in our destiny. And if that's all we choose to inhabit is a portion because of our shrinking thinking, then that will be the outcome that we will see. God is requiring faith for the fullness of the destiny that he's declaring to us. And Abraham is now settled. He is compromised. And really, if we're honest, he's not even getting 50% of his destiny. He's getting like 40% of his destiny because he didn't get the better side. Right? He got the wrong side. Now, Lot, this is a whole other story into another message, but Lot... He gets into the eastern region and it says that he keeps on going and he went as far as Sodom and then he got entangled with all the sin of Sodom and we know what happened to that city, right? So it just shows you when you got greed in your eyes what that ultimately, you can have everything but it can cause you to be led astray into destruction even when you have it all. So anyway, so Abraham and Lot, they separate and then here's what God does after they separate and Abraham forfeits part of his destiny. God speaks to him and he says in verse... 14, and and chapter 13, and then the Lord said to Abram, 
after Lot had separated from him, you ready? Lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all of the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. So here's what he does. He reminds Abraham of what he's already said. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm just going to say it. Praise God for being reminded. (laughs) Because I am a dude that needs to be reminded. I I mean, I'm like Abraham. I mean, I heard it, and then I'll move along, and I'll, I'll forget that I heard that, and, and I know it, but I need God to remind me of it. You know how he does that? Right here. I open this thing up every day, and I look into it, and every time I do, I think, oh, God, that's right. That's who you say I am. Oh, Lord, thank you so much, because that is what I have in you. I need to be reminded. I need to hear from the Lord regularly to remind me the fullness of what I have in him. Because if I don't keep hearing him from him regularly and reminded from him, I think I'll probably settle. I think if I'm honest, my faith will kind of begin to shrink down and I'll begin to believe for a lot less than I once believed for when I first heard it. See, that's part of the faith walk. It's hearing it, believing it, but then continuing to believe it for the fullness of it and not be diminished until we walk into and see the fulfillment of that thing. And that's what this journey that Abraham's on is all about. And then he comes to this place where now he's like, okay, the Lord reminded him, it's all yours, Abram, not just the the left. Look around you. Remember north, south, east, and west. The whole thing, Abram, it's yours. I'm giving it to you, not to Lot, to your descendants. This is your destiny, not his. I need to remind you of that so that you could keep having faith for the whole thing, not part of the thing. And so Abram kind of gets reset, kind of gets put back in place. The Bible says that when Abram heard this, that he believed God and God accounted it to him for righteousness. Meaning God imputed, right? He just, he imputed it to him that because he believed it, he accepted it in faith, then God put the grace into him to be able to walk it out and fulfill it. But now Abraham's on this journey. He comes along a little ways further and then something interesting happens. He realizes, obviously, that he's gonna need an heir. He's gonna need a son. He's gonna have to have children if this thing God said it's going to happen. I mean, he, you know, he's a smart guy. He's connecting the dots here. I'm going to need a kid for this thing. So some time goes by. We know Abraham was 75 when he left Ur to begin with, or left Haran to begin with. So he's getting up there. Sarah's 10 years younger than, than he is. She's no spring chicken, right? So, uh, and so they're, they're coming along, and Abraham's like, oh, okay, well, you know, I, I got to have a son. I know God said this. I'm going to have to have a child. So, man, I don't know what's going on here because Sarah is supposedly barren at this point now and can't have kids. I, I love that there's always some sort of a natural limitation that we seem to somehow face when God wants to do something supernatural in our lives. And we got to see past the natural limitation in order to grab hold of the supernatural limitless ability of our God. 
And so he sees this and he says, so he's talking about this with God and he says, uh, well, it must be Eliezer of Damascus. That must be my heir. Now, Eliezer is a son of one of the servants. And in that time, if somebody didn't have a child, a lot of times their estate, uh, their legacy would just pass to one of the servants' children that were born during their care. And so Abraham's like, I obviously need a son. I need, a, I need a, an heir. So, you know, it must, be, it must be Eliezer. That must be what God is doing here. That must be what he is up to here. It, it's it's going to have, it's got to be Eliezer. And, and God's like, no, no, Abraham, it, it's, it's not Eliezer. It's going to be one of your own seed. And so Abraham finds this point now where he's into this thing a few years. He's into this journey. And, and first he compromised and he got kind of set back on course. And now all of a sudden he's trying to explain the thing. He's trying to rationalize the thing, make sense of it all. Right? I mean, it needs to line up. Don't we do that? Well, I mean, this must, this, yeah, this must be what God is doing. You know, this, this must be what he's doing. And so he attempts to rationalize it. And in his attempts to rationalize, the only thing that he ends up doing is minimalizing what God is actually trying to do. He's, once again, shrinking the fullness of the promise down to meet some boundaries that are much smaller than what God has already set forth for him to begin with. Am I speaking to anybody today? Okay. So, so he says, uh, it's now, Leezer, it's going to be one of your own seed. And Abraham kind of tries to rationalize this thing. And once again, guilty. Okay. Anybody else with me today? Guilty. Like, I remember, we come up, we, we decided... That God, you know, we felt God say, we're going to plant a church in this area, in this community, and it's going to be a growing church. It's going to grow significantly, and it's going to touch multitudes, and God's going to use this to impact an area in a region, and we believe that. Like, that was, we've, God spoke that to us, and you know, we, that was great. We're excited. Woo! We're moving. We're doing this thing, you know, and we get a year into this, and look, just being honest, right? So, it's like, oh, yeah. 50, 50 people, 50, 60 people. Okay, well, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, when the Lord says that we'll, we'll touch multitudes uh, with this church, I mean, really, you know, those 50 people, I mean, if they touch people that they know and then they touch people that they know and years to come, like, you know, ultimately, yeah, a lot of, a lot of people will be affected by that. Now, you gotta hear me for a second because I want you to get what I'm saying. If that's really just what it was, then that's fine. There's a case for that. But that's not what it was in my heart. I was shrinking my faith. I was beginning to believe for less than what I knew God had spoken and told us and promised to us and called us into. And, And all of a sudden, my faith began to accommodate my level of comfort because it came it became harder to believe for the fullness of the thing as time went on and I wasn't seeing all of the fulfillment that I thought I should see are you with me and so I just began to kind of shrink things down and look there is nothing significant about that there is nothing glorious about God giving a promise to us for an abundant life of favor, of blessing, of impact, and then when it gets difficult or we don't understand it, us beginning to rewrite our narrative and shrink our thinking down to kind of accommodate a new box that just makes a little bit more sense for us to handle right now. You know, and then we got this contract, and, and then what, 
what we start to do is we start to kind of add some amendments to it, you know? Uh, we, we start to impose some new limitations. I, I've been involved in a few different business deals where, you know, we're, we're getting into a discussion, a conversation about some terms of an agreement, uh, and then you get into it a little bit further. Everything looks great. You know, it's all going to work out. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got to give this up and then you got to give that up. And well, okay, you know, that's, that's, that's all right. We'll give up this. And then you make more concessions and more concessions. And, and all of a sudden, at some point along the way, I step back and I'm like, this is not anything like what we started with at all. Yeah. This is not what I wanted to begin. Why, why am I even contemplating? I've given up too much. Yeah. I'm not going through with this anymore. I need to get back to where it was in the beginning. If you want that agreement, we'll do that agreement. But I'm not giving up all this extra stuff. And I think along the way, we are sometimes our biggest challenge is that we want to just start adding in these amendments and shrinking our thinking because it, 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 it's not easy to have faith. It's not easy to trust, you know, when we don't see. When God's saying, I got a nation in you, multitudes, and you don't even have a son. I mean, it's a hard place to be. So God snaps him out of this. We, he's compromised, and then he's rationalized, and this whole Eliezer thing ain't the answer. Okay. So he gets 10 years into the journey. He's 86 now. And then the final, the third thing that challenges us all is that it's not happening fast enough. Uh, I'm, I'm getting old. Sarah's getting old. Okay. Uh, we're going to have to help God. God needs our help. And that looks a lot like Hagar, the maidservant. And we eye up the new thing, and we think, okay, and, and, and Sarah was good with it. Sarah, gosh. Sarah was good with it. She kind of initiated the whole thing. Abraham was good with it. He goes in, does his thing, boom, Ishmael's born. Ishmael's born. It's got to be the answer, God. It's got to be the solution. I'm going to have to help you. I'm going to have to put my hand to the thing. I know it was you who began this work, God, but it ain't working out quite like I thought it should, so I, I, I'm just going to help you. I, I'm, I'm just going to kind of put my hand on it a little bit now. Um, it'll work out that way, right? Right? No. No. What ultimately ends up happening? Nothing but heartache comes from the Ishmaels in our lives. <laughs> when we put our hands, and look, God can work all things together for good. Praise him for that. And he can turn a negative into a positive in our lives. But I'm just telling you, when we put our hand to something and force something that God is responsible for the outcome of, it produces an Ishmael in our lives. It brings challenges and heartache that will interfere or, or jeopardize the fullness of what God is calling us into in our destiny. We all know the story of Ishmael and the people that came out of Ishmael that became a hindrance to Israel for thousands of years after that, right? So he does this, and this interesting thing occurs in chapter 17. This was after Ishmael was born. Ishmael is now about the age of like 13, 15 so Abraham is approaching 100, and Sarah's 90. And, and I'm somehow in his thinking, he still thinks it's Ishmael. He still thinks that this is the key. Because 
He's talking to God in chapter 17, and God's again reminding him about the covenant and about the blessing. Again, thank God for reminding. And he's reminding him, and Abraham says something just crazy to me. But I guess if we're in the story, it, it probably wouldn't seem so crazy to us. But listen to this. In, in chapter 17, verse 15, God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, that was her old name, uh, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but she will be called Sarah. So he changed her name. And he says, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her, <laughs> not Agar. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. I'm just thinking for a second, like God's probably thinking, I shouldn't have to tell you this again, <laughs> but I'm going to. I mean, he shouldn't have to, really, he shouldn't have to keep telling us, but I'm just thankful that he does because I need to keep being told in order to stay the course. I'm going to drift. I know it. And so he reminds him of this. And then he says, verse 16, I will bless her and I will give you a son by her and I will bless her. She shall be the mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. That proved true. Verse 17, then Abram fell, Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? So Abraham said to God, are you ready? Oh, that Ishmael might live. Are you following with me? God's like, I'm going to give you a son by Sarah, your own son, her son, and Abraham, in this moment, can respond to God and say, oh, that Ishmael might live. He's basically saying, yep, yep it's going to happen, God, and I already took care of it for you. We already did it. Here's Ishmael. Here he is. It's his, this is the son, the chosen son. And God's like, listen, verse 19, and then God said, no, no. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. No, Abraham, no. <laughs> Once again, you got it all wrong. I didn't need your help. I didn't need you to put your hand to the thing I just needed you to trust me. So let me repeat it again. Let me declare to you what I already spoken. It's already been birthed, so I intend to fulfill it. But let me remind you, it's going to be a son that you and Sarah have, and he will be the one that the lineage comes from. Now, we know the rest of this story. Isaac is born. Isaac gives birth to two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob becomes the father of 12 patriarchs, who are the 12 regions of Israel, the, the 12 fathers of the, the regions that make up the nation of Israel. And out of one of those regions, the son known as Judah, guess who came from the lineage of Judah? The Messiah, Jesus Christ himself. If you can't see beyond the limitations now as we have the vantage point of looking back to recognize God had a fullness planned of this destiny beyond anything that Abraham was even capable of seeing. 
I just don't think in many cases if God even gave it to us, we could handle it. That we could even receive it. I, I think it would just blow us apart. But Abraham couldn't possibly know. God just said, I just need you to trust me. I, what I'm requiring from you is faith. I'll do the working out of this thing. You see, there is this situation that happened back here a couple chapters ago whenever God was making this covenant, when he was renewing this covenant with Abraham. He did something very profound. He said, okay, we're going to seal this covenant with blood that I'm making with you. I want you to go and I want you to kill some animals and cut them in half and then lay them out and then this was kind of like tradition uh, for covenants. They would do this and then the two parties of the covenant would pass through the cut halves. Uh, they would pass through them together. And what that would insinuate is that both parties were acknowledging, I will uphold my end of this agreement and if I don't, What's happened to these animals will befall upon me, and blood would seal it. So it was two people involved in the covenant would pass through these, these cut halves of these animals. So God instructed Abraham, are you ready for this? Oh my gosh, you're going to love this. So God instructed Abraham, cut these animals in half, lay them out, we're going we're to make this covenant. And as soon as he did, it says that God caused a deep sleep to fall on Abraham, and he passed out. And while he was asleep and dreaming, God himself passed through. He did not have Abraham do it. Why? Why? Because there was never anything in Abraham that could ever have brought the covenant to pass. Only God himself by his hand could perform the work. And he's saying, Abraham... You sit this one out, buddy. I'm passing through. Because this is my promise. This is my seal. This is my covenant to uphold. And it'll be by my hand, my power, and my spirit, says the Lord, that this thing will come to fruition. All I'm requiring from you is faith. You keep trusting me. You keep believing me. And I'll write the narrative. I'll write the story and fill in the lines on the page for you along the way. And it will be good. Can I get an amen from anybody on that? So let me just close this out by saying that God sent his son, Jesus, and he established a covenant with us in blood. His blood paid a price. We could be washed, we could be cleansed, and we could step into as rightful heirs, joint heirs with Christ, the Bible says, the fullness of the inheritance of the blessing and the purposeful life that God has created us for. It will require faith from you every step of the way. But let me remind you that God is the only one who can do the miracle. There is no power in our hands to do that. And we will be challenged to compromise to rationalize and make sense and to ultimately put our hand to the thing if it isn't going the way that we feel it should. These are challenges that Abraham faced. Praise God, God continued to bring him back around, regroup him, and get him back into a place where he was walking and trusting in the Lord 
and the fullness of what God had prepared for the nation of Israel, for the Messiah, and for each and every one of us, all the way to the kingdom of heaven in eternity, is not thwarted. God's plan is unfolding precisely as it should. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me today? And let me encourage you. If you can relate with any of these challenges, you're in good company. I mean, Abraham's considered the father of the nation, the father of faith. And he was challenged with these things that are so real and are as as real today as they were 4,000 years ago. You know, you had Adam and Eve, 10 generations down from Adam and Eve, you had Noah. Noah was... Obviously, the builder of the ark, the earth was cleansed by flood, and God repop, said, multiply, subdue the earth, and multiply, he just reinstated, just reinforced the thing he already told Adam and Eve to do. He said it to Noah. And then 10 generations, I think maybe 11 down from Noah, is Abraham. This took place roughly 2000 BC, 1900 BC. Christ comes along 2000 years later. Here we are 2,000 years after that. We're talking about 4,000 years of history and the challenges that face men and women of faith are no different then than they are today. Amen? Let the Bible speak to you today. Let the word be fresh. Let it be timely. Let it be penetrable into the cracks of your life where you need it right now. And let God speak a word of life and hope and faith into the things that you're going through and that he's calling you into. Amen.